Cool. Um, all right. Welcome to Historical Shade. It's Saturday. Da, 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 da. Um, Julie and I just did for an hour. Not really. It was 20 minutes, but it felt so good. Everyone, get yourself a vent, buddy. Like, oh, man. So good. Like a person. Um, like a person. Yeah. I mean, you can have a dog too, I suppose. Yeah. My dog doesn't like it when I yell about other things to him. He's just like, is that to me? I don't understand English. I'm a dog. <laughs> um, I don't yell at him. Okay. Sorry. It's a weird energy. I'm not going to apologize. I just need wine. All right. So first off, welcome to Historical Shade. Julie and I, we are not historians. So if we get something wrong, please correct us. Uh, we love history. Um, we love everything about it. Uh, sometimes we do know that it's written by the victors or sometimes the people are like, I discovered it, I'm gonna write it down first. And then we think that it's uh, who actually did it first. So if we have correction, if you have corrections, please send them to us. Did I get it all, Julie? Yeah, I'm just, okay. I'm taking it all in because you said you needed wine and I'm like, like a second bottle? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish, I wish. Um, but I have to, I have to uh, go somewhere after this, which makes me sad. Um, otherwise, glug, glug, glug. Uh, so Julie, I have something I want to talk about before you share your um, shade today. And it is uh, a group called Museum Detox. What have is you this? I've heard of them. Okay, so it is um, a group of women um, who, uh, a group of diverse women, um, who are museum professionals that voice their opinions and share experiences, um, within the cultural sector of museums and how they take a, uh, European centric view or a view on colonization. Um, and my mind was kind of blown. So a lot of, especially museums of natural history, they have, you know, um, exhibits from Asia and from Africa and the wording of some of the plants or some of the animals or some of the, the wording of the plant, the plaques can seem very, um, like, very like, oh, well, we came in and saved this savage land, uh, sort of lean to it which I never really thought about because to be honest, just, I just didn't think about, it. I wasn't that woke. Um, and so I was reading about this group and what they do is they go in and they kind of monitor and look at the language that these plaques use, trying to give every single um, cultural thing its own weight and not a colonization type of view. So that's, I'm so excited. In the time you were talking about that, I have already followed them on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're so, it's just, um, truly fascinating to, to see. And also just, um, how, because a lot of history and like, we know it, especially because we talk about it, mm -hmm. it and mu so museums are curated and the big job about being a curator is telling a story. Like people don't necessarily think that when they go into a museum is that someone's job was to like, yeah, it has a point of view. Yes, exactly. Just like a documentary. Don't think documentaries are not trying to persuade you they are. Um, and the same with museums and the storyline. And a lot of them took this like European-centric colonization, empire-driven point of view. And so this group of fierce, fierce, fierce uh, museum workers 
um, from London is going in and trying to create a more diverse point of view for, in the museums. So isn't that I, cool? That's amazing. I'm so excited to like learn more about that and, and see what they're doing. Uh, it's also a really great segue, segue because my topic today uh -huh. is uh, the Bone Wars. And okay. That, yeah. So it has to do with, with the dinosaurs, not like a, a tiff between dinosaurs, but we find the dinosaurs a lot in museums. Ah, I didn't even, I really did not realize that that was a segue, but I'm glad I did it. I, yeah, it, I was very impressed. Uh, <laughs> I'm also amazed that since we started doing this, how many things pop up as described as a war, mm -hmm. like how often history throws around that term. Yeah. Like I've also done, I did the pastry wars as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a few other wars that I've looked at where I'm like, that Okay. <laughs> okay. Was that a was that a war? So, but yet there are war like wars that go on that they don't label as wars for very yeah. specific legislative yeah. reasons. Yeah, very uh, political leans to them. Interesting. So the the Bone Wars describes a feud between Edward Cope and Charles Marsh. Um, one of the websites I read, this is a total Jad joke, so I just need to acknowledge <laughs> that someone actually put this in writing. The feud was so hot, it even has its own popular subtitle, The Bone Wars, Paleontologists, right? Can you imagine if I did <laughs> this entire shade like that? Right? So the late 1800s marked a huge spike in interest and funding in paleontology. And this was pre-Jurassic Park, the movie. So pretty impressive. Yeah. Do you uh, know the difference between paleontology and archaeology? Does paleontology just deal with bones and the no. other deals with bones and plants? Or is it vice versa? No. So ladies and gentlemen, I know this fact not because I'm well read, but because I worked at Dinosaur World in Plant City, Florida for three months. So the difference between paleontology and archaeology is paleontology is anything prehistory before we started writing stuff down, and archaeology is anything post the written word. Oh! So paleontology also involves like some of the Ice Age plants, uh, some like amoebas. Okay. I think yeah. I'd want to be an archaeologist. I'd want to be an archaeologist as well. Interesting. Well, the, this isn't about archaeologists. Yeah. So, sorry. This is about no Edward written Cope. words. <laughs> so uh, Edward Cope and Charles Marsh, they're at the, the forefront of this movement. And it's interesting because they've actually come from two very different um, backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And so the tale of paleontology was coined just like nine years before Ophniel Charles Marsh's birth in October 29th, 1831, on a farm in Lockport, New York. Wow. So, yeah, so his mother dies when he's three, and his father's only ambition for his son is that he become a field hand on the family farm. So, despite this, uh, Marsh showed interest in science as a young boy. And with the encouragement and financial backing of his millionaire uncle, George Peabody, or Peabody. Let's hear it for millionaire uncles. Yeah. <laughs> Which there's a disconnect for me that, like, it was either field hand 
or support of millionaire uncle, but it is what it is. So he goes to Phillips Academy, then Yale, and then he goes to Germany as a graduate student. We're going to put a pin in his time in Germany and talk about Edward Drinker Cope, which, what an awesome middle name. (laughs) Drinker. So he's a little bit younger than Marsh. He was born nine years after him to a wealthy family in Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, so he took an immediate liking to natural history as a child. He attended classes at the Academy of Natural Sciences in Philadelphia. I mean, Pennsylvanians love history. Oh my gosh, for sure. When I, when I lived near Philly as a kid, I 100% remember like we had like a sleep at the zoo, a sleep at the science museum, like all oh. these like Girl Scout trips. So at 18, he published his first scholarly article Ooh. while working as a researcher at the Academy of Natural Sciences. Then in 1863, to avoid Cope being drafted into the Civil War, his Uh father sends him to Germany to study natural history. Okay. So that's where- (laughs) That's one way to get out of that. (laughs) Yeah, that's one way to get out of the war. Uh, So that's where he meets Marsh and they return to the US. Bless you. Oh, you didn't sneeze. It was a yawn. Oh. I hope I'm not boring other people. I promise I'm not boring myself. Lack of oxygen to the brain. Yeah. I was just so excited. (laughs) Uh, I was so excited because they came back to America. After the Civil War, I'm going to (laughs) guess. This is in 1864. Okay. So like it was dying down a little bit. Yeah. Um, So they come back and they're friends at first. Like they're so friendly that- Cope named an amphibian fossil. I'm not. A, I'm not a pronunciation expert. Tianius P T Y O N I U S. Tianius Marshy after Marsh, and that happened in 1867. Mm. And then, in, in return, the next year, Marsh named. <laughs> A new and gigantic serpent from the tertiary of New Jersey. All right. <laughs> Mosasaurus. To unpack there. <laughs> they're amicable. They're just friends. Amicable they're just friends. friends, but I'm going to name a giant snake after you. From the tertiary of New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's named Mosasaurus copianus. Oh, come on. <laughs> Why are my everything i talk about becomes sexy it's just who you are ah. just who you are so here's sort of like the first um place that they differ they both support different evolutional theories so okay. cope is a neo-lamarckist and that is a theory that characteristics were acquired during an organism's lifetime are inherited by the following generation Okay. Marsh was a Darwinist, which is the obvious the theory of biological evolution developed by the English naturalist Charles Darwin and others, and that states that all species of organisms arise and develop through the natural selection of small inherited variations that increase the abilities the individual's ability to compete, survive, and reproduce. So, okay. So they, they, have a, they have a little bit of a difference in terms of their, their philosophy as it relates to paleontology, mm-hmm. but 
it wasn't until 1868 when in an act of friendship cope had shown marsh around a fossil quarry in haddonfield new jersey okay for whatever reason Mm -hmm. um marsh made an agreement with the quarry owner to have any new fossils sent directly to him at yale and so cope would later describe this act as the beginning of the end of their friendship i'm like what i mean to me that would be like the end like even yeah but i don't know i guess cope is a nicer person than me so (laughs) so it it really soured (laughs) when cope showed off his fossil of a lasmosaurus, a large marine reptile from the late Cretaceous period. And Marsh pointed out that the, the vertebrae, like the backbone, were oriented backwards. So like the, the head was at like the end of the tail as opposed to the other way around. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of had like a sharp, like a, a back and forth over it. And so then they had, they agreed to have the Academy curator, Joseph Lee, to decide who was right. Okay. And Leedy promptly removes the head from one end and places on what thought what Cope had thought was the tail. So Cope was like mortified at this mistake. Yeah. So he decides to try uh buy and replace all of the printed copies of the publication in which the fossil is described. So he's like, fake news, destroy it. <laughs> <laughs> and so Marsh is like, oh no, 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 you you done screwed up. No, no. This, so he, like, he won't let this mistake die. He would not give up his copy of the paper. So, like, they were going around being like, hey, I'm so, we had a mistake in that. Can I, just, can I just have this back? We'll get you a new one. We'll get you a new one. Yeah. So, to make matters worse, they reprinted the publication, but they didn't, like, put it on a more recent date. Like, they just reprinted it same date. So it kind of gave people the impression that Cope was trying to hide rather than correct his mistake. Like rather than Mm -hmm. like the next issue be like, Hey, here's your corrections, corrections corner. Yeah. Um, So of the incident, Marsh later wrote, when I informed professor Cope of it, his wounded vanity received a shock from which he has never recovered. And he has since been my bitter enemy. Which also, like, makes him sound like he's kind of satisfied with this. Like, yeah. it just makes you wonder what, what was the turning point for Marsh to be like, hey, quarry owner, give me them yeah. fossils. You know? Like, yeah, they're naming their large reptile serpents after each other. I mean, did either of them marry? I just, I feel like there's more to this. Uh, well, there there is more to the story. Okay. Well, it's just, I, okay. I want to hear what's more to the story. And then I have, I've, I, I don't know. It's so funny. Keep going. Keep going. I have, I have thoughts, but keep going. I'm excited. Okay. So, so Marsh continues paying excavators to bring him the samples from Cope's dig sites. So anything that's like, <gasps> yeah. So what would happen is so in response to this what coke would do is when they'd finished excavating a particular site he would then order his assistants to dynamite it making it completely useless for any other fossil digger um so what about but like if you are truly 
in love with the work. Wouldn't you want the fossils to remain intact? Or is it all because you want your name in the papers? Right. Like, how many fossils have we lost as a result of this? Yeah. And, and like, right. And even though he's doing this, like, kind of shitty thing for the world, mm -hmm. um, he still is like, no, I'm the victim. Mm -hmm. And so, like, what ends up happening is just years and years of one-upsmanship sabotage like workers from different dig sites were like openly pelting each other with rocks okay um, <laughs> are we adults are we in new jersey this is why new jersey gets a bad name i never understood it before but if people are pelting each other with rocks right marsh even goes so far as to have spies track cope's progress and they refer to cope by the code name jones which of course immediately sent me on a spiral of trying to figure out if there's like any like reference in, in the name Indiana Jones. And Jones. Yeah. Cause yeah. I was like, Oh my God, both those people do history and dig. It was a stretch. I know. No, no, that's where I went to with the whole time you're, um, there's a line in Raiders. Uh, no, was it Raiders? It was Raiders. Raiders of the Lost Ark where they're talking about how the Nazis want the dig to go faster and the Frenchman says, uh, you would use a bulldozer to find a China cup. And that's what this is reminding me of. Anyway. Yeah. I love Star Wars. Indiana Jones, though, is my, like, number one trilogy. I, I love Indiana Jones. I even love, this is a super tangent, but I even love Temple of Doom. And I, the older I get and the more I understand other religions, the more I like it. Mm-hmm. And like other, I feel, yeah. Yeah. Crystal Skull, though, we're not talking about. Oh, no. That doesn't okay. count. No. <sighs> anyway, back to blowing up fossils. <laughs> All right. So the, we're just, we're blowing up fossils. Um, <laughs> apparently, Cope had a diary in which he kept recording every known crime and scientific mistake Marsh had committed. I think we'll come back to that later. Oh, um, oh. I have so, that. Yeah. <laughs> so for his part, Cope competed by rushing to publish his public his findings in Abigail. Beautiful. Um broken. So Cope like rushes to to get things but, published in his journals. But why is he rushing? He already made a dire mistake that cost him. Well, there's actually a term for this which I learned, okay. uh, paleontologist Bob Baker, or Becker, it's two Ks, he calls it taxonomic carpet bombing. <gasps> so basically he's just like, he's just trying to like get that recognition. Like he goes yeah. so far as to purchase the American Naturalist Journal in 1877. And so between 1879 and 1880, so in one year, <laughs> he publishes 76 academic papers, a small and a small percentage of the 1400 articles he would write over the course of his lifetime. So he wrote a lot of articles. Like he's one of the most prolific authors in American scientific history. Mm -hmm. So the, sorry, whatever I said just made the Siri pop up on my phone. <laughs> um, they did a lot of crappy things. 
On the upside, the number of known giant dinosaur species did jump from a small handful to more than a hundred in, in this time of rivalry. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, of course it's never enough to just be better than someone or to do well or be equally successful as something, someone. It's just, it's never enough. So for Marsh, he's determined to put Cope out of business. So in 1882, oh man, he uses his quote, superior connections and political skills in Washington, D.C. to become the chief paleontologist of the newly formed U.S. Geological Survey. So, I mean, y'all, people have been getting jobs in political offices they haven't deserved for a very long time. Just throwing it out there. Yeah. Oh my God, and his name is Marsh. He is the swamp. Uh, so, (laughs) so this gave Marsh access to an immense amount of institutional support. Mm -hmm. Not only did he have access to federal funds, he also gained, yeah, he also gains a significant amount of political power. So he sets about isolating cope. I got, I'm still checking it out. You know who. Mm Mm-hmm the Voldemort of current society, um, isolating Cope. So he cuts him off from government funding, which both men had relied on over the years, mm-hmm. um, especially for the preparation of expensive illustrated volumes reporting their fossil discoveries. Mm. So for whatever reason, Cope decides to like make up for this loss with a failed silver mining venture in, in New Mexico. Okay. It fails. <laughs> it doesn't work out for him. Um, so he he loses everything. Okay. Oh, cope. So as a sort of a follow-up to a previous question of yours, by 1890, he is now separated from his wife and child. Okay. And he's living alone in a small Philadelphia apartment. His fossil collection is all he had left. Oh, just him and some rocks. And then... Marsh made a fatal mistake. Oh, shit. Because it's not enough to destroy someone, make them go bankrupt, have them lose credibility and their family. He keep then, going. <laughs> keep going. Like, how far can you go? He decides to take Copes's fossils, and he claims they had been collected on federal money, and thus they belong to the government. So Cope fights back. He's like, fuck this. I have nothing left to lose. So... He produces evidence that he had paid my roommates. Right, (laughs) they're all I have. They're my children now. (laughs) Gary and Larry and Todd. I don't know why they're all boys. And Peggy, Peggy. thank and Peggy. Um, you didn't see it, but we both did the head. head Yeah, So Cope fights back. He produces evidence that he had paid for almost all the collecting out of his pocket, and then. If someone does a shitty thing to you, the best thing to do is to try and be shitty back and hope Uh, that it works out for you. I was going to say, leave a paper trail, but continue. (laughs) Well, that's what he had. A paper trail. Because for years, Cope had been collecting information. Records of nefarious underhanded dealings, accusations of scientific impropriety to use against Marsh. So he 
turns them over to a freelance journal journalist at the New York <sighs> Herald. Just a moment. I'm going to mute this while I hiss at my cat for eating my plant. <laughs> She's hissing. I'm watching her hiss into the corner of the room. I, I looked up on the interwebs and it said if you spray it with like a citrus juice, they're supposed to stay away because they don't like it. But and now it's morning, just more delicious. This morning I woke up at 6.30 to him eating the plant in my bedroom. Now he's eating the plant in this room. I just want joy in the winter. That's all I want. <laughs> That's what Hallmark movies are for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope there's a shade about Hallmark movies so I can do it. Aren't you going to the convention? Continue. We'll talk about that later. No, no, we're not going to the convention. I forgot about the convention, actually. Is it because I'm coming? No, it's in December. Okay. I think we just got distracted and forgot about it. Okay. All right. Continue. Okay. <laughs> just, I'm sad. Uh, so he turns them over to a freelance journalist at the New York Herald who releases it with this headline, scientists wage bitter warfare and it sets off a firestorm and so this battle lasts for two weeks so the professors are just firing accusations of each other marsh and his allies at the u.s geological survey are publicly accused of corruption incompetence and like misuse of government funds uh. congress investigated <sighs> And eventually slashed funding for the survey. Oh, man. Come on. <laughs> they eliminated the Department of Paleontology along with Marsh's position, power, mm. and most of his income. And then, as a final indignity, the Smithsonian demanded that Marsh turn over a large portion of his own fossil collection. Oh, your roommates are gone. <laughs> had in fact been collected by government funds. So he, like, what he tried to do failed and then happened to him. But Juvier Cope is still broke and just has his rocks. But he has his rocks. Right? So He has his rocks. So it's, so I do have a tag on the end of, of how this all ends between them, but I just want to take a moment to sort of talk about, like, the implications of, of what happened when both of them were like rushing to these extremes um, to get these new species and fossil discoveries. So when they began their research in paleontology, only about 18 dinosaur species were known to North America. And between the two of them, they named more than 130 new dinosaur species. Mm -hmm. However, among the valid identifications, mm. there were plenty of misinterpretations and also multiple names for the same species mm -hmm. because they didn't talk to each other. Uh, <gasps> yep. So Cope <laughs> left behind about 13,000 specimens. So that's a lot mm. of roommates. There's a lot of rocks. I mean, and then, he's lonely. Yeah. And, and Marsha's comparable collection, it did prove to be the best support in the theory of evolution, according to a personal letter from Charles Darwin himself. Oh. So my, my last little tag on to this is that Cope falls ill. Jason, don't you dare meow. This is the tag. It's very dramatic, Jason. Just be quiet, man. Chill. 
a cat. <laughs> so finally, Cope falls ill and he challenges Marsh one last time. He challenged Marsh. He donated his brain so it could be measured. <laughs> <laughs> and his challenge to Marsh was that his brain get measured. Because at, at that time, the yeah. size of the brain was mm-hmm. seen as the measure of intelligence. Uh, unfortunately, Marsh did never accept that. Um, but Cope's skull is still kept at the University of Pennsylvania. Wow. And that is The Bone Wars. Uh, shout out to all of my sources, none of which are Wikipedia. No sources? Offense. No offense, Wiki. Um, but I used PBS, Vintage News, Strange Science, and ansp.org, which I forget what that stands for. And now the link doesn't work. So I, I don't oh. know. Yeah. If anybody remembers what they are, there you go. Right. <laughs> that was great. Um, a few things that I'm taking away from that that, like, I knew. Always keep a paper trail. Yes. Always keep, if there's something happening at work, if there's mm-hmm. something like keep up, write it down. So you have a time, a date stamp, boom. Um, also like, it's so sad that if they had just worked together, like, yes, they came up with all of this stuff on their own. Could you imagine if they put their giant brains, quote unquote, together how much, like, how much further we could have gotten, and also that the government wouldn't have cut that all of because, that out of our like society. Yeah, because of their quarrel, mm-hmm. like, just the amount that they affected other people with their stupid dramatics. So, yeah. So that's the the Bone Wars. Oh, so very good. I like so that. many wars. Um. The T-Rex, a few dinosaur world facts that I still remember. The T-Rex is an American dinosaur. America. America. Um, And then the raptors you see in any of the Jurassic Park movies are not velociraptors. They're actually called Utah raptors. Velociraptors are tiny or like the size of a chicken. And Utah raptors are the big ones with the larger claws. And they're also from the United States. So what are you? Are they, are they Utah raptors? Because when the tiny raptors look at them, they're like, Utah. Utah. <laughs> uh, no, but yes. Um, also, the worst movie in the history of the Disney canon is Good Dinosaur. Oh my gosh, I haven't seen it. Don't. <laughs> I really, I truly, I d- try to correct me i will throw shade at that movie and i love disney i love everything about disney that movie makes me want to throw things i so badly now for that reaction want someone to write a corrections corner letter about how it's good yeah about how you're wrong okay please someone write to me how good dinosaur is a good movie disregard and i will we will we will fight it out or you know what leave a voice message. You know where you could do that? <gasps> Anchor.fm slash historical shade. So you could leave us a voice message. You could also sponsor this podcast if you want. Um, yeah. Cool. You can also uh, send us a DM on Instagram <laughs> at historical underscore shade. 
and you can email us as well. Is there an underscore in your email address? No, it's just no. Historical, historical shade at gmail.com. Slide into our DMs. Please don't send any blizzard pics. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Ah! Oh, I'm scared now. I said it all wrong. Uh, so, Julie, future light. Uh, those DMs we'd be getting. Um, I'm going to show this future light and I'm, I'm going to risk it a little bit because I, I'm going to, I'm going to risk it in that when my husband listens to this, I'm going to hope that it's either after the holidays or that he doesn't pay attention. Okay. But, um, so I don't know, are you familiar with the show Letterkenny? I am not, but I, I have a whole bunch of friends who love it. And then I have one friend who went as Letterkenny and another, like there were a couple and she went as an ostrich. Figure it out. Figure it out. Oh my God, the ostrich. Yeah. <laughs> and that was their couple. And everyone's like, yes. Yeah. So I have a feeling that they're, that's significant. <laughs> yes. Yes. Allegedly. Okay. Hasn't been proven. Okay. Uh, it's very funny. It's, it's Canada. Um, it's just delightful. So many, so many great quotes. Jason, Jason, let me talk about my future light, man. Oh, anyway, it's really wonderful. And um, Mike introduced it to me mm-hmm. and I found out that they were doing like a live tour and doing like sketches with all the characters. Mm-hmm. And so I looked up the cost to see it in Boston and I kid, he's very dramatic in the corner now. I kid you not, the, the cost to see it in Boston was so obscenely expensive for one mm-hmm. ticket that I just sort of like on a whim decided to look up other states. Mm-hmm. And I found that I could get tickets to the performance in Nashville, plus the round trip flight for both of us for the same cost of one ticket in Boston. Holy shit. So, yeah. Yeah. Orpheum Theater. Come on, man. Come on. So, but damn. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) uh, we're going to go to Nashville and see it there and just have like a, a little, a little trip because I, I think, um, like a lot of times we like focus so much on like, what's my, what's like the big trip I'm going to save for forever mm-hmm. and then things will come up and then that money that i was saving for this big trip i'm not gonna be able to do mm-hmm. so that's out the window but i was like oh it's it's actually fairly easy and like cost effective to do like a, a, a quick trip mm-hmm. yeah yeah what is your future like um i have two um, one is that for those of you who can't see me, which is everyone except Julie, I am playing, uh, I got a gig playing Rosie the Riveter tonight. Um, so I have my makeup done and my bandana on and I'm feeling really good. It's kind of fun. The thing about it that I like is that I got paid for a very long time to be a princess and to talk about like my prince coming and la 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 la. And it's like, no, now I'm a grown ass woman and I'm playing grown ass women. Um, and I also didn't know that Rosie the Riveter was a Pittsburgh, like, started thing. So now I learned that from this gig. Um, my second future light, and more importantly, is that I will be visiting Julie in four days. Woo! Oh my God. I can't believe I didn't talk about that. <laughs> no, it's, you don't love me as much as I love you. It's... <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, we're gonna we're gonna record some content while we're here. I know together. What? And probably with a beer in our hand. Oh, one hundred percent. Um, so, so far we're doing a lot of tours. We're doing a ghost tour. We're doing a crime tour. We're doing a, um, self-guided by us tour of the freedom trail that includes stops at pubs we see along the way. And so get ready. If you haven't followed us on Instagram, follow us on Instagram. Cause I'm going to guess our story is going to be blowing up next week. And by next week, I mean, you should already be following our Instagram because this would have happened like three weeks before this episode airs. So never mind. Uh, but just follow our Instagram now. Uh, we'll, anyway. we'll archive the story. So yeah, there'll be the highlights. New listeners can find it. <laughs> buried treasure. Find the buried treasure within our Instagram story. Um, and on that note, thanks for listening, y'all. Bye, friends. Bye. Jason. underscore shade or Facebook at historical shade.